Fulton Sports Podcast. I'm Isaac Trotter, and we're riding solo today, and we are going to break down some Big Ten football. It's been really tough for me to get excited for Big Ten football. It's it's like one of those situations where you kind of look around the league and you go, man, is this really going to happen? And you see the setbacks, and you see the COVID test numbers, and you see the different facilities that are having to get shut down, and you know, it's, it's tough to get excited, but at the same time, I, I continue to look and I see the amount of money that's poured into it, and, and every time I keep going back to this point, that at some point, they're going to find a way to play. Just because there's so much money here, is that the right decision? I'm not sure, but there is just so, so much money here. There's so much at stake. There's so much to, to gain to have football back, so I think they're going to find a way to play. And when I put those type of glasses on, it gets me really excited again for Big Ten football because you're not going to find a bigger Big Ten football fan than me out there. Like, you know, I covered Illinois football pretty in depth last year, and you, you just get to go around the league. You get to see the different stadiums. You get to see the different, the feel of, of what it, Big Ten football is like. And, you know, you can make a case that, you know, maybe the SEC is a little bit more popular. Maybe the Big 12 puts together a little bit more points. Pac 12 late night football is really nice in, 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 on late Saturdays. But to be honest with you, there is nothing like Big Ten football. And to go to Michigan State and to see that stadium packed, even though they're having a down year, to go to Ohio State and see 100,000 people there, just raucous, to see the big house packed every single day. Nebraska football, is, we can make all the jokes we want about how is this the year they're finally back, but that fan base craves good football. And that's what I think makes this group special, and that's what I think makes this team and this this in this 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 season really really fun. Because I think the Big Ten is going to be as good as you could get this year. I think that there's a really good opportunity for the Big Ten to be really darn good in a lot of different areas. I mean, Ohio State's obviously going to be right up there. They were in the college football playoff last year, had one of the best games against Clemson, and just came up on the short end. And they're bringing back a ton of talent, and I think they're going to be really, really good again. Minnesota's coming off a career year last year. Can Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman in 2.0? Let's see if we can do this again. Penn State's going to be really good. I think Michigan is going to continue to be really, really good. I think Purdue has a chance to be better with Rondale Moore back and getting some of their big pieces back. They have some big high-end talents. I don't know about the depth of their roster, but they got some high-end talent for sure. Rondale Moore is one of the best players in the country. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. Indiana could be set up for one of their best years. I think Illinois is, is set up for one of their best years. Iowa is always going to be good. So it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. So the plan today is we're going to go 1 through 14, or maybe 14 to 1, just depends on how this works. And we're going to rank the Big Ten quarterbacks. And last year, the Big Ten quarterback play was really, really good. Headlined by Justin Fields. He's back for Ohio State. I think he has a good chance to be number one on this list. But at the end of the day, I think the depth of quarterbacks in this group is ridiculously good. And you can go up and down the list and go, man, there's some... I mean, you get down 8, 9, 10, and these these are guys that might be going to the Senior Bowl and getting getting decent looks. Will they get drafted? I don't know, but... We'll find out. And I think it's a little rough at the bottom, but at the same time, I think you could argue that the Big Ten has 12 or 13 really solid quarterbacks. And that's where this it makes this argument a little bit tough. So here's how we're going to do this. We're kind of going based on, just on, you know, not necessarily on, you know, history 
I guess a little history will come into play, how much you trust them. But I'm more thinking just next year alone, 2020, who's going to put up the best years? And, and you know, every quarterback is going to get judged by what's around him. And, you know, the quarterback position is one that's, I would argue, is attacked the most. And, you know, they might get the most praise when things go good. And when things don't go so well, they get the least amount of praise. So that, but that's this position. That's what makes this position probably the hardest position in all of sports the most criticized position in all of sports and also the most important position in all of sports so without further ado let's rank the big 10 quarterbacks let's let's do this let's start from the bottom up if you don't know who's going to be 14 here i feel like you didn't watch a ton of big 10 football last year this one is really easy and it's art sitkowski from rutgers i mean and you know Art is one of those guys that in high school, he was ranked really highly out of IMG down in Florida. Uh, kind of a, he kind of had a big arm. He had, a, you know, four-star looks. He, he had a decent offer list. But at the same time, he wasn't even starting for his high school team. And the guy who was starting there ended up walking on at Minnesota and ends up getting opportunities to play before he gets injured last year. And then Tanner Morgan takes over and, and turns into Tanner what Tanner Morgan is now. And Rutgers football has had a really hard time trying to find good quarterback play. Art Sitkowski is probably going to be the starter this year. He's going to have to battle with a few guys. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who last year he threw for 429 yards, just one touchdown, a couple interceptions, and he had to battle with multiple different guys for starting time, for playing time. And, you know, the year before when he really got the the lion's share, the snaps, he threw 18 interceptions and four touchdowns. And whenever you throw 18 interceptions, that, that touchdown-to-interception ratio is pretty ugly. So Sitkowski is going to check in at 14. I think he's talented, but he definitely does not have a lot around him. Rutgers is starting to recruit a little bit better. I like the approach that they're taking right now in the transfer portal going out and adding a bunch of big-time additions, some maybe some Division One bounce-backs from other places. They've taken some guys from Michigan. They've taken some guys from around the country. And Greg Schiano's there, and Greg Schiano is a big-time recruiter. He's gotten a couple nice recruits. So I think that he's going to have some more talent around him, but when you watch him, your eye test just tells you Sitkowski's just not very good right now. And when you don't have good offensive line play and you have – below-average skill position players. That's a really bad combination for a quarterback who's struggled with confidence and struggled to put two, three good games together, even multiple quarters of good football together. So Sitkowski's going to be at number 14 on the list. Let's go 13 here. Now it gets tough. I feel like there's definitely like multiple tiers in this quarterback group, so it's it's tough. But I'm going to go with Rocky Lombardi from Michigan State. I Again, this kind of goes to the supporting cast here. Lombardi's kind of running into a tough spot. The running game wasn't very good for Michigan State last year. They're going to lose a couple wide receivers that were pretty good. Uh, Darnell Jackson Jr. was one of their better wide receivers there last year. I think that's what his name was. And then Cody White had a great career, and he's going to be an NFL guy. Uh, he left early in the draft. So Lombardi's going to be set up here. He's He didn't start a ton. He's played a little bit. He played in seven games last year. He had a, a couple interceptions, didn't throw for a touchdown. Big, strong, good blonde hair out the back. Looks a little bit like Thor. Um, but Michigan State's quarterback situation last year with Brian Lewerke was okay. Lewerke had a career low year. wasn't anything great. Um, but but he but Lombardi is now going to come in with experience after having to play a little bit with with uh, Lewerke being injured. But it's not like he has, you know, 
a lion's share of snaps. It's not like he has this this super talented thing. If he was better than Lewerke, you would have beat him out the last couple of years, and he's not. So I have him at 13. I think he can still be decent. I think this Michigan State roster is going to be okay. Mel Tucker is a, is a really solid coach. But, I mean, we're also talking about a program that's reeling right now. New coach, some bad scandals that have gone on. You're just not really sure what's going to go on in the future. And Lombardi's not really set up to win. So he's going to be at 13 right now for a team that, you know, they might only win four or five football games. And that's a big disappointment. That's a far cry from what they were in the mid-2000s and or mid-2010s when they were, you know, Rose Bowl, top of the Big Ten East. I mean, plus also, we, I mean, I didn't even talk about it, but the Big Ten East has Ohio State. You have the Penn, Penn State defense that's really good. You have a defense in Michigan that's always going to be filled with athletes that could be giving him a, a lot of problems. So Lombardi's schedule's not great. The talent around him's not great. That's why he's 13 on this list. Okay, let's go to number 12. And it's Josh Jackson from Maryland. Now, this comes with a caveat. I mean, if Maryland's quarterback situation could look a whole lot different, and they're probably a little bit higher on this list if Alabama transfer Talia Tagovailoa is eligible and ready to play. I'm guessing he's going to have to sit out the full year, the younger brother of Tua Tagovailoa, one of the best players in college football history. He's going to lead the Miami Dolphins to the promised land, most likely. He's, he's a heck of a talent. But Talia is really, really good, too. And he's got a chance to be special at Maryland. He's going to reunite with his old offensive coordinator and Mike Loxley. And, and he's a huge, huge talent. But if Josh Jackson is the quarterback this year, he's going to be at 12. If Tagovailoa has to sit out, Jackson's going to be the guy. And Jackson put up some huge numbers during his time with Virginia Tech. I was a big Josh Jackson fan. He just caught my eye. But he had a, a broken leg. In 2018, he had some really good numbers in 2019, threw for four touchdowns against Howard, three touchdowns against Syracuse, and after throwing for seven touchdowns and one interception the first two games last year for Maryland, he just dropped off the cliff. I mean, we're talking about a guy who threw for seven touchdowns in the first two games and then only had five touchdowns in the rest of the games, and he struggled in Big Ten play. I mean, think about, let me show you, read you off these stat lines in Big Ten play. Against Penn State, he threw for 65 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. How about 9 for 20 for 97 yards against Michigan? Zero touchdowns, one interception. He did throw a touchdown against Ohio State, but he only completed four passes. And then against Nebraska and Nebraska's awful defense, he was 4 for 12 for 33 yards. That is not going to get it done, but I still have confidence in him. He can do some things with his legs. He's mobile enough. And I saw a ton from him as a redshirt freshman during his time at Virginia Tech. He was really, really good there. So if he can get back to that version of Josh Jackson, he could make me look dumb and and move up this list. But I'm, I'm still just not high on the roster around him yet, although Loxley is on the right path. All right, 14 is Arthur Sitkowski, 13 Rocky Lombardi from Michigan State. And then uh, Josh Jackson here at 12. And now to 11. And I'm going with Spencer Petrus from from Iowa. Uh, Big-bodied guy. He's been a backup for the last couple years. He just looks like an Iowa quarterback. Big, strong, athletic, big arm. I think he's going to be just fine for the Hawkeyes this year. I don't know if they're going to win many games because of Spencer Petrus' play. 
but I don't think they're going to lose a lot of games because of him. I think he's going to put them in position to win. I just don't know how many times he's going to go win it for them, if that makes sense. He's he's just he's just a really solid player right now, but we, he hasn't proven anything yet, so he's still at 11, although he does have nice pieces. That offensive line, I think, is going to be very good. They have some really good wide receivers. Amir Smith set is outstanding. I think he's going to be really, really good. They have, obviously, great tight ends uh, like they always do. So they'll be fine a skill position-wise. It's just up to Petrus to kind of put the ball in the right places. Can he run the offense? Can he do his thing? All right, let's go to 10. And it's Michigan's quarterback situation. I kind of leave it open here because there's still a big-time battle um, for playing time here with Michigan. And Dylan McCaffrey is the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, who's been huge in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers. Got a huge deal this offseason, the highest-paid running back in NFL history at the moment. Um, and Dylan McCaffrey is a really good runner, and he should he should do a lot of nice things there. But there's some questions about his passing attack. And Joe Milton's a big-time athlete, big-time recruit that's in the mix here. So McCaffrey and Milton are going to go back and forth. I think they're 10 right now. Um, it really just depends on what kind type of version we see. And not being able to have spring ball and not being able to have a full all-out training camp could hurt the development of both of these two guys and make a decision tougher. And I think if there's going to be, you know, if you're relying on less information, you're more likely to go on what you know. And I think Dylan McCaffrey probably has the edge over Joe Milton in that category, just because we've seen it on the field from him a little bit. He's he's a runner. He's a run-first guy. And you can win with a run-first guy. You absolutely can. And if you if the arm's not quite there yet, you can still work around it and get better. But I have Dylan McCaffrey at 10. I do think Milton's upside is a little bit higher than McCaffrey, and so if Milton wins the job, he might be a couple ticks higher on this list. Let's go to nine, a guy I'm really excited about in a system that I really like, and that's Purdue's Jack Plummer. I think he is... I think he's really talented. He he had some struggles at times last year, but he's really, really good. And also, it's hard for me to judge him last year when you don't have Rondale Moore on the field. When Rondale Moore went down with an injury, Plummer really just is kind of left hanging out to dry. But he's got a great wide receiver in David Bell. He's also losing tight end Bryson Hopkins, which I think is a big loss. His running game hasn't been very good. But he still threw for 1,600 yards last year, 11 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. Pretty darn good for a freshman last year. He had some big games, too, late in the season. I kind of throw the game out against Illinois where he's kind of playing in a mud bowl. He was 7 for 19 for 69 yards, 0 touchdowns, 1 interception. I throw that out because it was just pouring rain all day long. But he threw for 242 yards against Nebraska in a win there. He threw for 327 yards against a good Iowa defense with 2 touchdowns and 1 interception, 3 touchdowns, 420 yards against Maryland. Those are all really nice numbers, and I think the impact of Rondale Moore will be huge. David Bell is really good. I think they're going to be they're going to be just fine to those skill position wise. It just kind of comes down to this offensive line. I don't think that they're going to be very good. I don't think the run game is going to be a strength, and the defense is going to be filled with a lot of holes. So I think you could see Plummer's stat lines look a little bit better just because he's playing from behind. He's going to throw the ball a lot, and he's got just explosive wide receivers. But I don't know if he's quite as talented as the guys ahead of him on this list. At number eight, we're going with Peyton Ramsey from Northwestern. He transfers from Indiana, wants to have the job, a full-time job, and I don't blame him. And now you're going to Northwestern, who had one of the worst quarterbacks rooms last year. Hunter Johnson, the five-star transfer from Clemson, was a disaster. They went through multiple quarterbacks last year, couldn't find anybody right. And Peyton Ramsey has a really, really high floor. He was really solid for Indiana. I didn't think he got enough love there at Indiana. I think he kind of was... 
he kind of left people wanting a little bit more, but you know, when you look at the numbers, it's really darn good. 13 touchdowns, five interceptions last year, um, 68% completion percentage, uh, 19 touchdowns and 13 interceptions in 2018 led Indiana to had uh, over 2,800 passing yards there. Also 66, uh, completion percentage there. You're talking about one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. And that's exactly what Northwestern needs. They're not going to be a high-powered offensive attack, but I think they can be competent, and Peyton Ramsey can get them there. Oh, and he can run, too. Rushed for over 250 yards. Um, Last few years, he has 832 rushing yards in his career to go along with 14 rushing touchdowns, so he kind of gives them a two-edged sword there. So I I think he's going to be really solid for them. I don't think he's going to put up career numbers, but he's just going to be really solid, and that's exactly what you need. I mean, when you go from the worst quarterback play in the country, arguably last year, to competent quarterback play, that's a huge jump. I think this Northwestern roster... You know, they're not a three win roster, right? That defense is just not a three win team. That, you know, they have some pieces there. Pat Fitzgerald's a really, really good recruiter. So I think if Peyton Ramsey gives the Northwestern Wildcats just solid, mediocre, C plus, B minus quarterback play, they'll be just fine. They will, they'll be just fine. They'll be right in the mix for a bull bid. And, and they'll probably be in the mix for in the West, which is kind of wide open. You have a lot of, lot of opportunity there in the Big Ten West. Sticking in the Big Ten West, I think Illinois' Brandon Peters here at seven might be a little bit higher than consensus. I don't know. He's he's been, kind of been in this range. You kind of look around seven, eight, nine, ten. That's kind of the range for Brandon Peters. But eighteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. The former Michigan transfer had a the best year of his life, honestly, last year for the Illini, and he was a big reason why Illinois went back to the bowl game for the first time in the Lovey Smith era. And now he's really set up for success. He's got some big-time weapons around him. Josh Matabebe, the wide receiver from USC, transferred to Illinois and had a great year, all Big Ten year. You're seeing one of the best tight end groups, I think, in the Big Ten next year, Daniel Barker. Had a nice sophomore season, caught a game-winning touchdown against Michigan State right at the last couple seconds. Luke Ford, the former five-star prospect and Georgia player who transferred back home. And then Daniel Amaterbebe transfers from USC to back to Illinois. Another big-body threat. So I think I think Peters is set up for success this year. An offensive line that's one of the best in, in the Big Ten. Four starters that have started for multiple years, including three. Actually, this is going to be four four-year starters. Uh, or three, no, three four-year starters and one three-year starter um, are, are, are going to be on the offensive line. So he's got all the pieces to be good. He added a little bit of, to his run game. He proved that he's not a statue back in the pocket there. But I think he's set up for success. He's got all the pieces he needs. He's got the wide receivers. He's got the slot wide receivers. He's got the tight ends. Veteran running, veteran uh, offensive line, good running backs. Chase Brown and Mike Epstein are two really nice running backs. So I think Peters is set up for success, and he's a guy that I feel like there are multiple tiers of Big Ten quarterbacks. He might be in that middle tier, but with the right pieces around him, and and if things go right this year, he could have a really big like career-changing year and put himself on, on NFL draft boards. They already know about him. I think he's going to head to the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. But I think he could really make his mark and, and make them think a little bit and and maybe wonder if he's a guy that they should snag in the fifth, sixth, or seventh round. So I got Peters at seven. Feels like you know what you're going to get from him for the most part. We still haven't quite seen the upside of it. With the guys ahead of him, we've seen that upside just maybe a touch more. And at six, this guy's oozing with potential. 
a lot of people had him for National Player of the Year last year, but that's Adrian Martinez. And I think having Adrian Martinez at six is maybe a little bit of a sign of respect to how deep this conference is of quarterback play. But also, it's a it's a little bit of a sign of that Adrian Adrian Martinez had a down year last year. That that's not I'm not you know I'm not attacking Nebraska or going after him by saying that. I think Adrian would also agree with me that he had a down year. And you just watched some of his games last year. He looked rushed in the pocket. I mean, this is a guy who had some good weapons on the outside. J.D. Spielman's a great player uh, that, that they had on the outside and just couldn't get him the ball in, in right positions. And I felt like he was always second-guessing himself or maybe itching out of the pocket a little bit to try to run. And it just wasn't working for him. I mean, this is a guy as a freshman threw for 17 touchdowns and 8 interceptions, and then as a sophomore throws for just 10 touchdowns and 9 interceptions, and the completion percentage dropped from 65 as a freshman to 59.4 as a sophomore. That's just not good enough. He ran for the exact same amount of yards, 629 as a freshman, 626 as a sophomore, Eight touch. He has 15 rushing touchdowns throughout his career. So you know what you're going to get on the ground from him. He's going to be an, a plus runner for you. He changes the game. He makes you know makes it hard to stop him. But he's got to improve his decision making, and he's got to be more comfortable in the pocket instead of just tucking and trying to run when that first or second option isn't open. So I have him at six, but he. He's also got that chance to be, you know, maybe the second best quarterback here in the Big Ten if, if things go right. At five, we're going to Wisconsin. We're going with Jack Cohn. That might, I might be a touch high on him as well. I just think that Cohn doesn't make a ton of mistakes. And he threw for 2,500 yards last year, 17 touchdowns, just four interceptions. So he took good care of the ball last year. The question always, as it is, it comes down to upside. What is the upside that you're going to have? And I thought Cone did everything he needed to last year to lead the Badgers to success. They had some key turnovers and some big games that really hurt them, but they still had a really good year. I mean, this guy led the conference in passing or in completion percentage at 70.1%. Now, one could say maybe those throws aren't that hard or, you know, they're not really leaning on him. Jonathan Taylor took a big load off of his shoulders, and that's all true. But it's also the case that he just completed these passes. Jake Ferguson was a standout tight end for him. Quintez Cephas was a great wide receiver for them. He's going to play in the pros. But this year's, I think a lot of the offense is now going to maybe shift towards Jack Cohn. It's going to be on his shoulders. He's got to be the leader. Jonathan Taylor's gone now. He's with the Indianapolis Colts. Second-round draft pick is going to have a big year. He's probably going to take Marlon Mack's spot, and that hurts my fantasy team. But Jack Cohn, now it's your time, and it's your time to be really good. And this is a big-time chance for him because Graham Mertz is a five-star quarterback waiting in the wings, ready to rock and roll and, and get this thing going. And so if, if, if Jack Cohn's not good, Badger Nation's going to let him know. And Mertz is going to be sitting right there. And if he keeps improving and keeps getting better, it's going to be hard to leave the five-star kid on the bench if, if the starter's struggling. You know, one, one reporter that's a, a veteran guy always told me um, just a great line, and it was, you know, the most popular guy on campus is the backup quarterback. And it's true, right? I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He's a backup quarterback. That name is going to be always going to be at the first, you know, first thought of a fan's mind the moment something goes wrong. One interception. Oh, who's the backup quarterback? One fumble. Oh, who's the backup quarterback? And I think Wisconsin's going to have to do a that coaching staff is one of the better ones in the Big Ten. And they, they're really going to need Cone to be good or that you know, the rumbling for Mertz is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. But I, I like Cone this year. I think he's a top five quarterback in the Big Ten. I think he's one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country. 
And I don't think Wisconsin's going to miss a beat with that offensive line, with the weapons that they have, and, and just a veteran in Cone. So now we're down to the final four. And, you know, a name here, you can make some jokes with his name, but you can't make jokes about his game. Wow, that actually rhymed. Sound kind of cool. But Michael Penix Jr. was awesome last year for Indiana. And I know Indiana football is probably not that the highlight of your your watch list. You're not going to go on to ESPN and, and look through the list of games and go, yeah, I'm going to watch Indiana football today. No, I, that, I wouldn't probably do that if I were you either, except I'm a Big Ten football nut. But if you didn't watch him last year, you didn't watch a lot of Indiana football last year, you really missed out. He Penix is an awesome player, awesome player. He just has some injury issues that he's going to deal with. As a redshirt freshman last year, in just six games, he threw for 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, just four picks. He was great rushing the ball as well, averaged 5.4 yards per carry, 119 yards with a couple touchdowns. He's fast, he's long, big rocket arm, good wide receivers, has a nice a nice tight end and Hunter Hendershot there who's going to have a really big year for Indiana if he can stay on the field and, and not make some of those mistakes off the field. But Penix is great. Like, he, like he's, he is great and really fun to watch. And if he can stay healthy, that, that Indiana team has all the potential to be an eight or nine win team, even in the loaded Big Ten East. And there's a reason Peyton Ramsey transferred. That's because Michael Penix is really, really good. So don't make jokes about his name and watch him play. Watch Indiana play a little bit because the Hoosiers football team is really good. I know it's a basketball school, but their football is going to be better than their basketball team this year. All right, the final three. Still haven't gotten to any any of the Minnesota boy, and you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because he's not top. He's not going to be third here. I'm going to Sean Clifford from Penn State. I think Penn State, you know, it was – it's tough to watch because Penn State is really, really good. They just kind of live under – They're kind of. it feels a little bit like Ohio State's little brother here. But they are really dominant. And there were questions about this Penn State team if, if they were going to be able to get competent quarterback play. I mean, you're coming off of a situation where you have one of the better quarterbacks in college football history in Trace McSorley. And so Sean Clifford has to fill in for him. And that's not an easy task, and Clifford was great. 2,600 yards, 23 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, rushed the ball well, had 402 yards rushing with 5 touchdowns. And sure, you can point to Pat Fryermuth, one of the better tight ends there. He's got some great wide receivers. KJ Hamler was there and is a great player, great running backs in, in Journey Brown. But I thought that Clifford was awesome. In their big games last year, he brought it. I mean, Outside of the Minnesota game. He wasn't very good in the Minnesota game. Threw for three interceptions in that game. But against Indiana, threw for 179 yards with a touchdown, rushed for 55 yards and two more touchdowns. Against Memphis in a bowl game, he had 113 pass, or 133 passing yards with a touchdown. He threw for four touchdowns earlier in the season against Buffalo. Three touchdowns against Maryland. Purdue destroyed Michigan's defense for three touchdowns and no interceptions. So... I, I thought he was good. I think some there's there's holes in his game. There definitely is. And he's not maybe the most reformed passer or refined passer. But he's a gamer. He's tough. He's strong. He's physical. That rushing ability is, is outstanding. Adds a different dilemma to that um, Penn State offense. And Sean Clifford's going to be really good if he stays healthy. So I have him at three. Checking in at number two is Tanner Morgan from Minnesota. And I got to be honest, guys, like, you know, last year, you know, covering Big Ten football, seeing all these games, it was 
it was one of those things where I kept waiting for Minnesota to fumble it up and, and just not be very good. And I was kind of the same thing on Tanner Morgan. I wasn't really in on him. I didn't think he was all that special and all that great. And he proved everybody wrong. I mean, we're talking about a guy that went from nine touchdowns in 2018 to 30 in 2019. His completion percentage went up eight points. He threw for almost 2,000 more yards. He threw for 3,253 yards last year. Just a magnificent, magnificent year. And every time I expected him to fall off or to struggle against a good team, he just kind of shoved it right back in my face. And I, I, I was just so impressed with him. I think his most impressive game of the year probably was that Penn State game. Just a huge win. 18 for 20. Three, touch, three touchdowns. No interceptions. Didn't really put the ball in harm's way too often. Followed that up with four touchdowns against Northwestern a couple weeks later. In the bowl game against Auburn, he torches them for 278 with two touchdowns. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? I mean, he's just an absolute gamer. He doesn't look doesn't look special. They listed him at 6'2", 215, but he seems a little bit lower, a little bit smaller than that. I'm a pretty big guy, and when I talk to him, he's he looks about 6'1", you know what I mean? A couple inches shorter than me. And so when I, when I look at him heading into this year, I still have that little nagging feeling in the back of my head that he might not be as good as some people expected him or will expect him to be. I think you could see a little bit of a, a down drop off, and that's just because the talent around him is going to be a little bit farther down. Will the running game be good? I think so. He's got a veteran offensive line and a couple nice running backs back, but losing Tyler Johnson is a big loss. Now, thankfully, Rashad Bateman, who is their best wide receiver and the Big Ten wide receiver of the year, is still here. But all the attention is going to go on Bateman. You're going to see a lot of double teams. Will other guys be able to step up? And will Morgan be able to deliver the football in, in the right spot? So I think Morgan is a its a really good example of opportunity meeting preparation, right? And his preparation, his prepare, he had prepared really well to be the starter. It was clear that he had done, had done that. But he had to beat out Zach Anikstad. And Anikstad got hurt. Tanner Morgan takes over. And he never let it you know, have any thought about it anymore. They knew that he was the guy. And he shoved it in my throat. He shoved it to all the other people that didn't think he was very good every single time he went out there. Just the completion percentage is high. And, you know, a part of me thinks he could fall off the earth a little bit just because Tyler Johnson's not there and maybe more attention on Bateman and you know, maybe more attention on Minnesota. Teams taking them a little bit more seriously, and more film gives defensive coordinators an ability to try to shut Morgan down a little bit. But history's on our side by thinking that that Morgan's going to go out there and do his thing, and so I, that's why I have him at two. I I don't think the gap between a Tanner Morgan at two and like a Jack Plummer at nine or Dylan McCaffrey at ten is all that much. You know, I don't think it's like a major separation, but Morgan has definitely proven it. On a high stage, big-time defenses that he shreds multiple times over and over again, leads Minnesota to a career year, that he's worthy of being the number two quarterback. And at number one, probably the – it's funny. Number one's the easiest decision. Number 14 was the easiest decision. Art Sitkowski was 14. Number one, Justin Fields, Ohio State. I mean, what else is there to say about this dude? I mean, you can't watch him and not just be, you know, your jaw drop on how special of an athlete and a player and a talent this guy is. Probably one of the best two quarterbacks in the country, definitely a Heisman candidate. He's got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave back next year. Probably the best offensive line in the Big Ten. Great running backs. Just a huge, huge special recruiting class coming in filled with great wide receivers. Five-star tight ends. I mean, 
you could say Justin Fields has everything around him that's great, and that's true. I mean, he has, you know, probably the most enviable position in all of sports, getting to have all those Ohio State athletes around him. But the ability that he has is special. I think he's a top, you know, top 10 draft pick guaranteed. He's one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the country, uh, especially in that draft class next year. Him or Trevor Lawrence will be a big discussion this year. I know the North Dakota State quarterback will be in that mix as well, but it feels like feels like Fields is really set up for another special season, and he was he was outstanding last year. And, you know, just one miscommunication with Olave probably is, is the difference between Fields and the Buckeyes going up against LSU in the national title game last year. I mean, they, that, that's not that far away from happening, and and, and Justin Fields is a big reason why. So it feels like he's definitely had shoulders, number one. If I was kind of breaking it up into tiers, it feels like, yeah, definitely number one in a tier above all by himself is Fields. Then in two, you kind of see that's where the Morgan and the Cliffords and the Penix and the Cones kind of reside in that tier two. And then in tier three, it gets really jumbled with Adrian Martinez and Brandon Peters, Peyton Ramsey, Jack Plummer, Dylan McCaffrey, um, and then in Tier 4, I think you could say Spencer Petrus, Josh Jackson, Rocky Lombardi, and I hate to pile on him, but Art Sitkowski is probably not even with those guys. He's in a Tier 5 all by himself just because he, he really struggled the last few times. We haven't really seen him put together good football. But that's it. That's the list. 1, Fields. 2, Morgan. 3, Clifford. 4, Penix. 5, Jack Cohn. At 6, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. 7, Brandon Peters. 8, Peyton Ramsey, the Northwestern quarterback. Number nine will be Jack Plummer from Purdue. Number 10, Dylan McCaffrey. Could also be Joe Milton, whoever wins that job. Number 11, Spencer Petrus. Number 12, Josh Jackson from Maryland. Number 13, Rocky Lombardi from Michigan State. And number 14, Art Sitkowski from Rutgers. I'll tell you what, folks. I am so excited for football to come back. It seems like we're getting to a stage where, you know, the, the weather is starting to change a little bit. And... You know, with with how rough it's been throughout the last few months here with the coronavirus and then everything that's gone on, gone on in our country, it feels like we're at a spot here. It's been it's been a really tough few months, and getting baseball back was huge for me personally. Just I felt like you know I felt so much happier having baseball on my screen, and now the NBA will be back now, which is huge and super exciting. Uh, really looking forward to that. And now, right around the corner, could college football be there? And I, I really hope that, you know, these schools take the safety precautions that they need to and that we are set up where we can play football. And if that can happen, even if there's no fans there, if, if that can happen, that's a huge win. And, you know, if, if not, I'm going to be really, really disappointed because this Big Ten season is, is could be really special. And I think there's a lot of really quality teams, really, really quality quarterbacks and it's fun, and I'm just ready. I'm ready for it to get going, and I I just hope we can have it in a safe, and in, in a in a safe and, and controlled aspect where controlled environment where these guys can go out there and know that they're safe, and know that they can have the opportunity to play and showcase their skills and put themselves on NFL radars because a lot of these quarterbacks could play at the next level. I have no doubt about that at all. So thanks so much for listening to the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast. Hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up, you can email me at itrotter at postbulletin.com. If you have any tips, feedback, you want to attack me, go at me for something, hate my picks, that's totally fine. <laughs> or if you have any ideas on what would make a good podcast, what you want to listen to, that'd be great. So thanks so much for listening. Be blessed. Have a great day. And we'll catch you next time on the Post Bulletin Sports Podcast.